My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves right religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, James basically tells us that to be a follower of Jesus is to become an action hero. Why? Uh, because the word of truth in verse 18 of chapter 1 ha has been implanted in us and this word grows in the believer so it has an effect. Not only does the word bring us to Christ, that is, save us, but it, it, it matures us as well. Now, James is not alone in talking about the power of the word of God uh, to change lives. So uh, Paul, when he's writing his letter to the Ephesians in Chapter 4 from verse 22 says, uh, You were taught the word with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by uh, the deceitful desires of the world, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in truth, righteousness and holiness. Or Peter, in, in 1 Peter chapter 1 from verse 22 as well, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, that is the word of God, so that you may be sincere in love for each other, love each other deeply from the heart. For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Uh, and then he quotes Isaiah, for all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. So to have the word of God implanted in us leads us to action. Now, James' discipleship course in this letter is about action in two areas. Basically, how we hear and how we act, or to put that another way, how we listen and how we live. So let's get into that now. There are two types of listening that James joins together. Let me read to you from verse 19 of chapter 22. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. 
because human anger does not work the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, uh, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word that's been planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so do deceive yourselves, but do what it says. So we, we listen to God. How? Uh, in his word. And we know that that word, the word of truth planted in us, has been heard by us when we find it actually transforming our lives and changing our actions. So what kind of actions? Well, the first example of action that James gives is that we begin to listen deeply again. But this time we listen to people. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. And what James is doing here is plugging into an Old Testament theme that how we treat God is actually mirrored in how we treat people or how we treat people is a mirror of what we think of God. We've had examples of this recently in our series uh, on wisdom. Uh, so from Proverbs 14, verse 31 Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the poor and needy honours God. Or Proverbs 17, verse 5, whoever mocks the poor mocks their maker. So there are these two listenings, listening to God's word and listening to God's image. In fact, the commentator William Barclay points out this delightful detail that the word translated in verse 21 of James 1 as filth in the phrase, get rid of all moral filth, is an ancient Greek word for earwax. You've got to love it, hey? Get rid of, ongoing tense, get rid of moral filth. It's like gardening. You know, the job is never over when it comes to getting rid of the waste and the weeds or getting the earwax out of our lives. So, so how does filth work like earwax to make us deaf? Well, think about that for a moment. The, the, the lack of love, uh, the hatred, the bitterness, the envy, the me first instinct of our moral wasteland, it's unyielding and unteachable and it's fixed. It takes no prisoners. It makes judgments. It's self-righteous. It's not open to learning or listening. And it's certainly not open to seeing itself or judging itself by its own standards. It will interpret others and God through that messy filter until in the end we can only hear ourselves speaking. Now, we know this is a problem, don't we, on, on social media? We call it the echo chamber, where the algorithms just feed back to us uh, the things that already reflect our interests so that it feels like all of Facebook or all of Twitter or all of Insta actually agree with me. And so we stop learning, we stop listening. But, but in verse 25 of uh, chapter 1 of James, he gives us a clue as to why we struggle to listen. And it's because listening in an intentional, deliberate, and persevering way, requires humility, and it's therefore costly. But verses 19 to 20 gives us the flip side. It tells us what the characteristic of not listening is, and it's anger. But not God's anger, 
which is full of grace and the opportunity to repent. But James says this is human anger, full of self-importance, which sets up a merciless court where there's no comeback, there's no mercy. It's the online outrage culture <laughs> that we know all too well. So that out of our mouths and off our keyboards come words that wound and threaten and belittle and bully and control and deprive of choice and judge and accuse and bring guilt and criticise, but not to build up, but to tear down. And they pile on shame. These are words that see the weak point in a person's life and personality and friendships and reputation. And then in goes the blade. This human anger wears many, many masks. In Celeste um, Headley's wonderful TED Talk, 10 Ways to Have a Better Conversation, she says that research shows we are at a unique point in history. We are less likely to compromise than ever before. And we make decisions about where to live, who to marry, and who our friends are, going to be, I mean, based on what we already believe. In other words, we're not listening. And she goes on to say, if you wanted to state your opinion without any opportunity for response or argument or pushback or growth, then write a blog. Now, her comment's meant to be funny, but that's actually how we often live our lives, isn't it? It's often how we do our relationships. We blog on others. And it is wrong. And it's just so weird. I mean, we, we hate the COVID ISO that has cut us off from others. You would think we'd also hate the earwax sin ISO much, much more, which does exactly the same thing to our relationships with God and with people. Now, in James' discipleship course, to listen is to learn and it is to be changed. And the sign that we listen to God's word is that we're changed by that implanted word so that we can listen then to God's image. But this listening skill uh, James describes is unlike any of the listening skills that you would learn on a counselling or pastoral care course because it requires a particular type of self-awareness. Let me read to you from verse 22, chapter 1. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So if we don't do God's word, we not only have no understanding of God or of the people around us, but according to James, we've not understood ourselves. We've lost ourselves. We've become mirror people. If we've heard the word of God, but do not humbly accept the word implanted in us and do it and let it nurture growth in us, uh, then when we walk away from the word, we don't even know what we look like, who we are, 
And the benchmark for us knowing who we are in verse 25 is the completed perfect law that gives us wisdom, gives us freedom. Now, that's a coded way of referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. As Jesus said in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, he did not come to do away with the law and with the prophets, the the word of God, but to fulfill them, to complete them. Or as Paul writes to the church in Rome, Christ is the completion, the fulfillment of the law. So we are to persist in listening to, looking into the perfect law, the completed word, the good news that is Jesus Christ. And, And he is the one from whom, in whom, all the promises of God are yes, writes Paul in 2 Corinthians. So in persisting in looking into this word, we begin to see ourselves clearly. And if we lose the word of God, we lose ourselves. Now, in our time, we are told we are to find or discover or to know ourselves. And I find that is often pastorally just so unhelpful. Uh, The advice is often, well, you must listen to your heart. But the heart is desperately deceitful, writes the psalmist. Or we're told we need to be true to ourselves, but myself is conflicted and too sold, writes James in chapter 1. Or we're told we're meant to have uh, the courage of our convictions. Well, that's fine if I have any convictions and if I have any courage, but what if... My convictions are wrong and destructive. What if my courage is just foolishness? Or we're recommended to go to therapy so we can uncover the forces that have shaped us. But okay, but where's the power to change us? Do you remember when you were learning to ride a pushbike? You remember remember you had to learn not to look at the thing that you were trying to avoid hitting. You had to look where you wanted to go. And it was hard uh, because you were scared by the thing you didn't want to hit. But if you were scared and then looked at it, then what happened was your muscles would tense up, there would be fear, you would freeze, and you're more likely to hit it. But if you look at where you want to go, then the fearful thing is still there, but you have the ability to move past it. Jesus is where we want to go. And his company and help is how we get there. Look at him. And with that, says James, you will be free. We will be ourselves. And now for us, that's odd, isn't it? How It's an odd way to put it. <laughs> How can the perfect law, the fulfilled word of God in Jesus, set us free? Because we don't often think that laws make us free, but actually they do. Good laws make us free. That's why they're so important to keep. Uh, They make our roads safe to drive on. They make our buildings safe to live in. They make our food safe to eat. That They give us freedom in those areas. And, and, And the perfect, the completed, the fulfilled law of God is found in Jesus because he frees us to be the completed version of us, to remove the evil and to be the women and the men that we were made to be. 
So what does that look like? Well, James tells us. I'm reading from verse 26. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted from the world. Now, I think James's version of a discipleship course is what we would call a boot camp. It's a kind of grow up or go home approach to discipleship. And, and, and what he puts on the line here is empty, vain, pointless religion. And he says it's just full of words, but it's lacking in action. And the tongue of empty religion uh, takes, talks a great deal, maybe with angry words. But they are lost words. And whatever it speaks, it's self-deceived. It's a religion for mirror people who don't know themselves, don't know their God, and don't know their neighbours. Now, no one wants to be those guys. We don't want to be the hypocrites in the Gospels that Jesus spoke about. We don't want to be the walking argument against religion that the new atheists in our own day highlight. You know... uh, The guys that talk about religion, but then contradict it with their lives. Religion that is clean and without stain before God. And after all, he's the judge of what good religion should be. It keeps a tight rein on its tongue. That's a good idea, I think. It cares for the strugglers. Hey, they may be a bit hidden in Hawthorne, but they're there. And it keeps itself pure from the waste dump of the world. I've been reading um, or rereading a Christian classic called uh, The Life of Prayer or A Life of Prayer by uh, Teresa of Avila. And, and she discusses in that the experience of God in prayer. And as she describes her own walk with Christ, she makes the same points that James makes here. Uh, When she looked into the perfect completed law, which is Jesus Christ, he became her goal and her guide. And then she prayed and she worked really consciously, deliberately to set aside the filth, all the earwax that was stopping her hearing God, hearing her neighbour and understanding herself. And and as she grew in her walk with Christ, she found that his presence with her came in ways that surprised and sustained her with deep, deep joy. Funnily enough, another theme in James. Now, in our time, we are concerned about the outer. We're concerned about what we look like, what people think. I mean, you know the drill. We are busy. Distracted, mirror people, we're passing reflections. So isn't it profound that James tells us that what God is first concerned about in our discipleship is actually our inner life. Uh, That's the place where God wants to form us, mature us and grow us. So receive the implanted word of God with humility because to hear the word of God means to do it.